His name is Jesus. If that's all we needed to listen to today to get us on the right track, that would be fine. King of kings, Lord of lords, his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for this day. The day before we celebrate the birth of King Jesus, whom I think most of us in this room love with all our hearts. We pray today that as we, in these minutes together, having worshipped him in song, in prayer, and praise, we'll now worship him through the delivery of his word, the scriptures, to us. Will you help us today to be refreshed of maybe something we knew but just needed to hear it again, or maybe something new that we've never heard and we needed it for today. I pray for every soul in this building, every soul that's watching online, that, Lord, your word will not return void. You've promised that. So thank you. Thank you as we lift up Jesus, the Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, why don't you turn your Bibles with me and let's read Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to take you out of the Gospels today. We'll move into Philippians chapter 2 to get a perspective, actually, for the year ahead. Maybe today will be a new start for you in your walk with Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which reads, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was, pardon me, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, we thank you for your word and it is a blessing to us each time we read it. Now, this month, uh, we've really rejoiced in celebrating Jesus. The series has been called, His Name is Jesus. Uh, we chose that because we want to make sure that the emphasis on this time in our year is on the one who came, and that his name is special. We learn that Jesus, the name, means Yahweh saves, or Jehovah is salvation, and how important for us to understand that his name is Jesus because in that name we understand his mission. Not only that, he's called Emmanuel and that's a powerful name, God with us. That God came from glory in heaven and he became a human child, born of the Virgin Mary in order to fulfill the mission that has always been from Time before time, God knew that he would come 
and he would save us from our sins. And when you think about Jesus Emmanuel, do you think about the impact that he has had on this planet? On the trillions of lives that have walked this earth, there has never been a man that has brought more impact than Jesus Emmanuel, our beloved Savior. His impact cannot be denied. And he continues to touch our lives today, 2,000 and plus years after his birth and then death. So today I'm calling upon you, Christian, you who are searching to know who this Jesus is, to consider him, to consider the question, who is Jesus to me? Who will Jesus be? To you? Will he be just another powerful healer, so called healer, walked the earth? Uh, maybe one you would look at and just say, what a caring man. He loved everyone. Will that be just who Jesus is? I like how C.S. Lewis summed up the, the options that every one of us has that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord, the Lord. And tomorrow, we'll celebrate Jesus. We'll celebrate his birthday. And it will be mixed with great joy and understanding uh, that uh, he came to this earth to demonstrate the greatest love that any human being can do for anyone else and for God to demonstrate it at another level that we can't even comprehend and that is to give his life for us yet today let's consider this passage that I've just read just for a few minutes uh, this this section of scripture that uh, many have felt was a hymn that was sung throughout the history of the early church a passage that should bring us great delight needed clarity and humble recognition that Jesus is the Lord. Apostle Paul, of course, is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and as he writes, he is writing what I consider one of the greatest passages of Scripture that we can read about who Jesus is. And as we think about this, we recognize Jesus again the impact. He is the central figure of all of history. I love what F.F. Bruce wrote. He's a great pastor of days gone by. He's with the Lord now. He wrote, Jesus of Nazareth remains the most important individual who has ever lived. Nobody else has compared comparable influence over so many nations for so long. Nobody else has so affected art and liter literature, music and drama. Nobody else can remotely match his record in the liberation, the healing, and the education of mankind. Nobody else has attracted such a multitude, not only of followers, but of worshipers. And nobody else has been subjected to such intense and prolonged critical study. There was so much more that he wrote in that little excerpt. I, I wish we could have read it together, but 
he's grabbed the heart of what we're talking about this morning. 2,000 plus years after his life and death and resurrection, countless men and women are affected by him. Countless have rejected him. We just don't know. But many have rejected Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. Even though his life, his miracles, and his victory over the grave have clear impact on all of us in humanity, it cannot be denied. I, I don't know what you think on Christmas Day. I'll tell you what I think. I think I can't wait till I get to eat some of Kathy's cooking. That's one thing. I can't wait till the kids come over. That's another thing. We have, I think, about 11 of our children and grandchildren coming over and two dogs. There's the, there's the mix that we don't know about. They, don't, they haven't met each other. So would you pray for me? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But seriously, you know what I think about on Christmas morning? I think about 1967. Pardon me, 77. I don't know what happened in 67, but 77 was more important. That's the day I gave my heart to Christ. That's the day when, after a week's worth of preaching, I went out on a big old rock in the, at that camp. I looked up into the heavens, and I saw the stars, and I said, God, I know that only you could have created what we have here. And on that last Friday of August, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I knew that I, I couldn't save myself from my sin, but only he could. And not only did I make Jesus my Savior, where I trusted him by the faith that actually God gave me, but I made him Lord of my life, that I would follow Jesus wherever he took me, and he would be my Lord and my Savior. That's what I think about on Christmas morning. And then I move on into the festivities and the fun. Unfortunately, the sad reality is far more people reject Jesus as Lord and Savior, then humble themselves before him. People refuse to allow the truth of Christ to get past their well-fortified fortified walls of dependence, or maybe, I should say, self-dependence, independence from God. They will not allow the Holy Spirit to walk them across the bridge of faith into an eternal life that will mean one day being with the Lord Jesus in glory. So many people have written so many good things about, you know, this, this whole thought about Jesus and who he is and what he means and his greatness. I love Dr. Adrian Rogers, another gentleman who's been preaching for years and he's in heaven now. He said this, to explain him, Jesus, is impossible. To ignore him is disastrous. To reject him is fatal. He said, my speech is too limited to describe him. My mind is too small to comprehend him. And my heart is inadequate to fully contain this one whose name is Jesus. Do you agree? We just can't 
fully be able to explain this wonder, this, this one we call Jesus. And so let's look in this passage a little bit this morning and follow along with Paul's thinking as he delineates some amazing thoughts and attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ, God who became man. First of all, let's consider that Paul, Paul draws our attention to the sovereignty of Christ, to the supremacy of Christ in verse 5 and 6, where it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, and we'll just stop there, in Christ Jesus. What Paul is powerfully unpacking to the church, and let's not forget, this is only some 30 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. Paul is trying to guide the church to keep them on track of who Jesus is. Because it's so easy for us to let little things slip off the edge of our understanding. And he's saying, let me first remind you of the sovereignty of Christ. And so you'll find that Paul, who talks so much about Jesus, very rarely says Jesus alone. He always refers to him as Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Remember, we've said that Jesus uh, really means in uh, Hebrew, Jesus is salvation. It speaks in, of his person, declares his deity as the Son of God. But he's also called Christ, which is uh, the Greek, um, or Greek translation of uh, Hebrew Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, which means he is the anointed one. Anointed means he was chosen for a specific role. And that role means all the difference to each one of us today. The role of being our priest, our high priest, our mediator before the Father, our redeemer and intercessor. So his identity, we got to get that. We got to hold on to that identity because it gives us real focus as to who Jesus is. But not only his identity, Paul tells us here that we need to think about his equality where he moves into verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Paul wants us to rem remind us so clearly that although Jesus was the one who healed, who fed thousands miraculously, who, who spoke with wisdom beyond any human that had ever lived or would ever live, but for so many who would have tremendous unbelief in the claim that Jesus had was that he is the Son of God, God in the flesh. See, Jesus was God. The word form in verse 6 simply means it speaks of his outward appearance. Jesus was fully man. Absolutely, completely the embodiment of God in human flesh. Yet he was God. And I love how it tells us that he did not grasp. He did not grasp at the equality that he owned in God. That word grasp is a wonderful picture word. It's, 
He gives us a picture of a thief taking something that wasn't his. Jesus wasn't grasping at something or taking something that wasn't his. He was God who had become man. Philip, uh, on that journey to become a great apostle, was struggling with this. And, and Philip was asking him, can we see God? And Jesus said in John 14, 9, he said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Philip understood right there, Jesus, God, one and the same. Paul also, as he's talking about who Jesus is, reminds us of our responsibility, which is, uh, to be conformed into the image of Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. When we, what we think is how we will act. Isn't that true? What goes in our mind ends up coming out of our hands and our feet and our mouth. Have this mind. This is a call upon every believer. But we can't fully understand this call upon us until we get the rest, the next six verses. But this call is upon each one. Paul's desire, as the Spirit is moving him to write, is for all believers that they would reflect the heart of Jesus in all we think, in all we do. Because Christ, Jesus, the Lord, possessed a heart and mind of submission, humility, and commitment to God, his Father. And that's what he wants for us, to emulate the life of Christ in humility, surrender, and submission, and commitment. That's Paul saying, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Isn't that a big thing to say? Okay. You got to be like Jesus. How do we do that? Well, if we have the attitude and mindset of Christ regarding our complete devotion to the Heavenly Father, we are being like Jesus. Are you wholeheartedly devoted to follow Christ and have His mind, His attitude? If we are in that place, we are bringing glory to the Father and pleasure to Jesus. You know, Paul also said in Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. You know, Jesus talked about a lot about loving one another, didn't he? And that love that he wants us to have, he had for us that it came from a place of honoring, uh, humility, and submission to the Father. So one of the things that we can do this Christmas is just to love somebody else, maybe somebody difficult in your life. You have anybody who's a difficulty in your life, a challenge? Someone who, you, when you think of them, you go, oh, yeah, that one's a tough one. You know, I know we all have one. I have one. But if I want to emulate Christ, and Christ, through Paul, is saying love one another, 
This Christmas, one of the greatest Christmas presents you can give Jesus is to follow in his mind and heart set of loving one another, even that difficult one. And maybe that'll take a phone call, a note, just spending time with them in the next little while, just saying, you know what? I love you. And seeing what God's going to do in that relationship. So, Paul talks about the sovereignty of Christ. We've got to understand that. But he also draws our attention, uh, secondly, to the humanity of Christ. He really wants us to focus on that. There really can never be an adequate consideration of who Christ is that does not properly connect his sovereignty with his humanity. He was and is holy God and holy man. Eternal God, man. And as God became flesh, Paul directs us to consider, one, his absolute submission. Think about this with me. It says in verse 7, the first part, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man. How can we not stop to ponder this at Christmas time? That this little baby grew, become this man, and, and he did what he did for us. But before that, he stepped out of the glory of heaven, where he has always existed, where he basked in the presence of his heavenly Father and his relationship with God the Holy Spirit, where he soaked in the worship of the angels and the splendors of heaven. How can we not for, uh, remember that? How can we neglect to contemplate that, even as we celebrate his birth? We celebrate his incarnation, and he did not lose his, his deity, but willingly laid aside his glory in order to put on this robe of flesh. Think of it. The glory of God revealed in the Son, veiled in human flesh. And instead of receiving uh, a lifetime of worship, as God-man, uh, the sovereign was willing to serve the sinful. Christ literally emptied himself of, of his divine rights and privileges possess, being possessed as God and laid aside that glory to prov provide for our redemption. And as creator, he took on the form of his creation. And what a marvelous miraculous incarnation this is. It says, verse 7, the second half, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Hmm. It, it, it's unfathomable to think of how God, who cannot be encapsulated in anything, became a child. The one who created anything and everything you can think about, see, one day will experience the universe in all its fullness. He came and he was a child. He, and he didn't come with the majesty of God. He came with the likeness of man. He humbled himself. He took on the form of man. He was willing to be subjected to the creation that he created. Willing to accept the limitations of a physical body. 
willing to be bound by the restraints of time, born in obscurity, and as we heard this morning from those kids, a dirty, dirty barn, a cattle stall, experienced pain, loneliness, hunger, experienced thought, uh, exhaustion, thirst, and he experienced betrayal. He emptied himself to become a man. What a loving and compassionate Lord of all that we have. Not only that, he didn't simply demonstrate submission and, and divine power to become as God in flesh. He came ultimately to be our provision. And if anything, at Christmas, when we celebrate the baby in the stall, we remember very clearly that baby became our provision for the sins that we've committed, the sin that we found ourselves in being human beings. His provision is seen in verse 8 where it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross, a horrible, terrible death. We know that. It's difficult enough to comprehend what it took for God, that is Jesus, to become born of a woman, yet it is far beyond my comprehension to understand the enormity of what Calvary and that cross really means. To grasp the depth of love that he has for all of us in this room, for all of us that are watching online, for this world, that he was willing to come, live his life, and then be horribly tortured and murdered. I hope this Christmas time that although we relish in the beauty and the serenity of the Christ's child be born, being born, we remember what his life became in the end for our sake. The writer of Hebrews says it so well, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. And then in verse 9, behold, I have come to do your will. And he does away with first in order to establish second. The will of God was for Christ to come and pay the price for our sins. That baby in the stable grew to do one thing, to hang on a cross, die for our sins, and then be raised to life. And so as we celebrate Jesus' birth tomorrow, let's not neglect to consider the gracious provision that is secured through Christ the Lord's great sacrifice. His death means atonement for sin. That's great. It means the wrath of God is appeased. Payment has been made for all those who will place their trust in Christ as Savior. And hope is gained. You know, we heard this morning on one of the videos how hope is on short order for so many. But there is hope. Yes, this life can be challenging. It can be actually quite painful. It can be actually torturous. But you know what? This is not the end. This existence is really the beginning of eternity. Where will your eternity be? With Jesus the Lord or separated, alone, and without hope? Hope in Jesus, without Jesus, no hope. Christ's death and resurrection 
purchased the possibility of that hope. Salvation in Christ alone, redemption from our sin, and the reconciliation to an eternally joyful personal relationship with God the Father through Christ by faith. Acts 4.12 says it so well. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Did you know that? It's in Christ, the Lord, that we can be saved. The unscalable wall caused by sin was bridged through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, the Lord. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isn't that a joyful thought? On the, on the one day of a year where we celebrate Christ the baby, we know that his work would come where our sin would be forgiven. Our wounds would be healed. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and being made alive in the spirit. 1 Peter 3.8. I, I wanted to give you some of those verses today. Maybe you'll reflect upon them and consider the joy of Christmas morning is seen in Resurrection Monday. It's coming, and I hope you'll be with us in Easter at Easter, and we'll celebrate that as well. But I want to draw your attention to the last thought that Paul gives us here. Paul draws our attention to the majesty of Christ. The majesty of Christ. What must we think about Jesus today in the here and now? Listen to Paul as he describes and is speaking to us uh, about the majesty of Christ. Considering his position, it says in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The baby Jesus went to the cross and sacrificed himself for us. And guess what? The father was pleased, so pleased that he highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. You ever watch uh, that show, Where Are They Now? Or maybe you've seen uh, news articles about people that were famous and you haven't seen them for long. Where are they now? I always find that interesting, you know. And uh, there's one person I was looking at this morning and what she does now is she's a gardener. She used to be a huge star. She says, all I want to do now is be in my garden. She found out something that really touched her heart. Where's Jesus now? The most famous, the most uh, impactful human that, that has ever walked this earth. The one who is highly exalted. He is with the Father. He is... Uh, now at the right hand of the Father, seated. He's seated there, interceding on our behalf. He's seated because his work is done. And he's there, and he's going, Father, look at all those who have followed. He's highly exalted by the Father. 
given a name which is above every... How many billions of men and women have denied and rejected him, but the Father exalted him? Think about it. How many men and women have cursed his name and, and still do, yet his name has been exalted above all other names? Doesn't it gra- grip your heart when you hear somebody curse using Jesus' name? Just remember it. Jesus has been highly exalted. And, and when those people use his name in a way that we would never think of using, Paul talks about here in verse 10, uh, the recognition of the name of Christ. It says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Think about all those who consciously decided to reject Jesus. We know that in heaven, all the angels, they, they love to bow at the feet of Jesus. They bow in honor and adoration. And that every soul upon this earth who has ever lived, who is living now, who will ever live, will at some point bow at the feet of Jesus, the one who is highly exalted. And I would want to encourage you this morning, listen to me right now, as I say this in love, as I say this directed by God's word, we can bow to him now in submission by faith and salvation in Christ alone or bow to him one day in condemnation at the judgment. Which will you choose? Willing, humble submission or at a time where you have no choice? Kings and paupers, intelligent and uneducated, rich and poor, famous and unknown will all bow one day before the Lord. And they will make a confession. Paul didn't leave us without the confession. And every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. Yes, his name is Jesus. Yes, his name is Emmanuel. But who is he? Jesus is Lord. I remember when I was a young man in Bible college, a story was told that reminds me of this. It was about the days when, you know, you, you went driving out for a drive and and you had your children in the back, and there's this one guy who went out with his son, and his son was in the back seat, no seatbelt on, and he was jumping up and down, up and down, up and down. And his father kept saying to him, son, sit down, it's not safe. Those are the days when, like when I was that age, I would sleep on the back seat, and dad would hit the brakes, and I'd go in the wheel well. And so this boy wouldn't stop doing it. Son, if you don't stop, I'm going to stop this car. And when I get back there, you're not going to like what's going to happen. And you know what I'm talking about in those days. So the boy finally came to his senses and he sat down. But he sat down in the back seat. His father looked in the rearview mirror. He's like. And he, his father looked at him. Son, why do you have such a mad face on you? Well, dad, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. 
a lot of people going to be like that with the Lord Jesus. They have no desire to do what is right, and that is to worship him as Lord and Savior. And there's coming a day when they're going to have to bow. And in their heart, they're going to still be saying, I don't care for you. I don't want you. And they're going to go to that place that is far separated from God, not because God is bad, but because they choose to not accept the love of Christ. And I pray everyone in this room, everyone watching online today, will bow their hearts today and say, Jesus is my Lord. So let's conclude. How do we wrap this up? If one is to make Jesus Lord of their lives, what does that imply for our everyday life? What does it mean if I say, Jesus is Lord, my Lord? I tell you this, it implies one absolute ownership to Christ. Absolute, all that I am and all that I have. I do not belong to myself, but I'm altogether his. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Do you realize that what Christ did was pay the price for you to have eternal life? You are bought with a price. This means that I can never declare anything as mine or my body, my talents, my money, my loved ones, my home. They all belong to God. They belong to Jesus. And we're just the caretakers, the stewards of all that belongs to him. Secondly, it implies unquestioning obedience to Christ. This is a tough one. Will we obey Christ in everything? It's not logical to speak of him as my Lord and then to disobey him. The lordship of Jesus implies an acceptance of his will and obedience to his will. And that's tough. Fortunately, when we step out of his will, scriptures tell us that we can go and confess our sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. Isn't that wonderful? But obedience to him. Thirdly, it implies an implicit trust in Christ. It's when life is tough and we have to say, Lord, I do not understand, but I'm going to trust you. I know this well, that you are trustworthy, that you, my Lord, are working out the details and the purpose of my life. And maybe this difficult thing is a part of that, but I'm going to trust in Christ. If you have ever read the book of Job, we have nothing to complain about. Job lost everything. As much as you can think, Job lost almost more. But this is what Job said. Job 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was such a great example of what it means to trust the Lord. Lastly, it implies a certain reward from Christ. Here's the reward that we all want here. Well done. Well done, good and faithful 
servant. That's what it means to have Jesus as my Lord, that one day I will be before him and I will be bowing and I will be proclaiming he is the Lord and he will lay his hand on our heads and say, well done. I look forward to that day. And I say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing. Let's go. What a glorious thing that will be to hear well done. By the way, the word confess, the word confess is a very important word. Literally, literally means to agree or say the same thing. And so, in essence, when we call Jesus Lord of our lives, we agree with God the Father. He said that he has exalted Jesus and he is Lord. When we say Jesus is my Lord, we are saying, Father, we are so in agreement with you. Have you agreed with God and received Jesus as Savior and Lord? If not, I urge you to do that today. So this Christmas, as you celebrate the baby Jesus' birth tomorrow, just remember, Jesus, Yahweh is salvation, Emmanuel, God with us, and lastly, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are indeed thankful for this season of celebration of Christ the Lord, Jesus. We pray that as tomorrow comes and we as families and friends gather, that we will enjoy the day in reflecting on Jesus Christ the Lord. What he's done for us, and the time that will come when we will see him face to face and we will bow, we will just let him know how much we love him. So thank you. Thank you for this church family here gathering to enjoy considering that Jesus is the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.